Alright guys, we got a lot to talk about today. First was yesterday was awesome. We went to Newport, Rhode Island and we had Surf Fest. If you guys went back and listened to Sid Abruzzi, his episode, we talk about Surf Fest. He is the the man with the plan that came up with this and he's been doing it for a few years and it is epic. It's in Newport, Rhode Island, so Instantly, just driving into Newport is always amazing because it's just so much money and they have beautiful buildings and there's boats and it's right on the ocean and there's like yachts and it's just, um, it's a sight to be seen. It's awesome. So just doing that was sick. And then the Surf Fest is in the middle of Fort Adams. It's this huge fort, stone fort that just looks like epic battles have gone down and right in the middle of the fort is just a huge open grass field it's it's massive and Sid and Danielle they had so many vendors show up surfing skating they had tons of food vendors they brought in a sick mini ramp I think it was like six feet tall with the seven foot extensions and then there was also another ramp that had no flat bottom. It was just, it was no flat bottom, and it was oververt on both sides. It was basically a loop with the top taken off. And we, the joke of the day was that, where's Bob Burnquist? He could fly in with his chopper, his helicopter, and just land right in the field, right in the middle of the fort, and just do the topless loop, you know? So everyone was kind of waiting for that. That never happened. But they also had live music, too. And there were so many rad people, and so much gnarly skateboarding went down on the ramps. It, it was it was really, really epic. So that was yesterday. It was a lot to take in. If you check my Instagram, I put up some photos of my lady doing handstands at the fort, and it's, like, pretty epic looking. Um, this leads me into AIM life. The first episode is just about done. I've been speaking with my homie Manny, who's producing it. He's filming and editing it. Super passionate about it, and it's got skateboarding with Westgate at Skater's Edge. Ethan Wahlberg's in there, so isn't Ryan Adelman and uh, Jacob Hammond. We got skateboarding at the Edge, which is sick, and then we have float tank, sensory deprivation tank. And today's guest is Tina Brigittini, and she's the person that owns the float tank, and she introduced me to it and allowed me to use it, and it really trips me out. So the first episode of AIN Life is coming out, um, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll probably be a week after that episode one drops. And it'll all be on alllineedskate.com, so if you're looking for it at all, you just check there and you can get the podcast, you can get whatever current skate, skate things are going on with All I Need, and you can get AIN Life episode one. So that's coming out. And then next is AIN Life episode two. I just want to give you a little teaser. We're going skydiving. And uh, thanks to GoPro for uh, sending us a promotional box to just capture the moment. So it's skydiving with a surprise. It's going to be really cool, man. I'm excited for that. That's that's our next project for All I Need Life. The idea between the sh- the idea for the show is that, you know, All I Need is Life. It's beautiful. There's so many experiences, so much emotions to feel. Like, as our senses wake up, like, I just want to explore and really enjoy this. And I'm lit- I believe there's only one life, man. I don't know if we reincarnate or whatever. All that stuff after death, I'm not really thinking about. I'm just trying to, like, make heaven on earth right now. So that's the goal. And w- with money or without money or whatever, I'm no excuses. Just make life beautiful and fall in love with it and explore and meet people and passionate people and see beautiful sights and... I mean, that's the goal, man. We ha- we're, Life is a gift, and I'm blessed to have it. So that's what AI and life is all about. You know, all I need, life. Uh, and once again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, without you guys, I mean, I, this show wouldn't even happen. This podcast would not happen without you guys listening and giving me back feed, like positive feedback. Yesterday, I couldn't tell you how many people at Surfest were like, I listened to the podcast. This guest was dope. This guest was dope. Thank you for putting it out. Like, you know, I'm working and I'm busy, but I... I listen to stimulating conversation all day long because of the podcast, and and uh, you guys really give me the motivation to keep doing this. You know, it takes. I I do a lot of things, so to get this done, it's not easy. You know, I, it's not. I don't have enough time to do everything that I'm trying to do, so I find time. And when you guys give me feedback, it stokes me out, and I'm fucking knocking a slack. So keep the good good news coming.
thank you guys all for listening. I hope you enjoyed Tina. She was very cool and down to earth and very open about everything. Communicates awesome. So this podcast is a special one. I, I really enjoyed it. Love you guys. This, this is, is the Shetland Show. Show. Whatever you do, you have one thing that's unique. You have the ability to make up. And when things get tough, this is what you should do. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. You make Microphone check, one, two, one, two. I hope they get it. I'm sick of explaining history. I'm rolling with a circle of winners. We claim the victories. Yeah. Come on. It's about to be the realest shit you ever heard. You're in a transitional world right now. Yeah, it's just basically going for it. You know, sometimes you don't think about getting hurt or slamming, but you know, it happens. It's skateboarding. You know, it happens every day. Yep. People are worried about skateboarding and the skate state of the industry. Yeah. The truth is, we are the industry. Yeah. Skateboarders are the industry. Experience, I guess, just because there's like I've never seen like that many skaters in one place. Just like it's like we take over the streets. All right, we're back, guys. Uh, today's guest is Tina Brigittini, which I pronounced your last name correct, right? Yes, you did. Okay, and Tina, before I I try to explain what you what you do. Um, maybe I should just let you kind of explain what services you provide. Okay, there's many. Um, I think I'll start with flotation. Okay, maybe list them off, and then we can go into one at a time and kind of feel them out. So flotation. Yeah, flotation and bodywork services. Awesome. Uh, which include. Polarity therapy, which is an energy-based body work. Okay. Uh, massage. Thai that's yoga. Nice. I'm sorry, what was that? Thai yoga, that's also a uh, body work. It could be called Thai yoga massage. Awesome. Uh, nutritional evaluation. Oh, that's good. I need to actually get into that. Okay. Because I never know. Like, my body craves certain things all the time, and I feel kind of like, I'm like, I don't know if I actually need this or if I'm indulging in it or what I'm doing, you know? We can talk more about that, and I can tell you a little bit why. Yeah, please. We'll get into it. Um, So we got polarity. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We got the float tank, Thai yoga, which has to do with polarity, uh, nutrition advice as well. Yeah, uh, polarity is actually a different kind of body work. It's it's more energy based. It's uh, based on like the, if you think about I, Chinese medicine. Some interruptions with the dog. I like it. You like it? Yeah, because Elwood, my dog, usually interrupts my podcast all the time. So it's awesome. <laughs> it wasn't my dog this time. Which <laughs> is awesome. Yeah, well, there's three of them, so it makes it easy for interruption. <laughs> That's okay. My show is unconventional. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Uh, so polarity therapy is similar to, like, uh, acupuncture without needles. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've actually done acupuncture before. Uh, okay. A yep. while back. Um, okay. I wanted to ask you, did you do you do hypnosis as well? Yes. Yeah, that one I'm really interested in, interested in to talk about as well, because I was listening to some lectures and stuff on that and I just thought it was pretty cool and wanted to dive into that eventually as well. All right. Um so we do we cover them all or you got more? Well, the other uh part of the business is education. Okay. Um so that's a whole it's a whole nother to me it's a whole nother business. Um if you want we can just focus on what we got here. Yeah, let's what we'll do is we'll start with a I want to talk about the float tank because I, you know, that's how we met. So uh, for the audience listening, basically I heard about sensory deprivation tanks uh, through podcasts and through online and movies and whatnot. And then I wanted to do it because I heard it was like really good and had all these benefits. So I searched out your business, which is Crystalline Awaken and Boylston Mass, correct? In Boylston and soon to be in West Boylston. Okay, cool. Yeah, and uh, so I looked up and I found your business online and I went to your house and or went to your business and went in and tried the float tank and it was awesome. So maybe you could break down what the float tank is and what its benefits are. All right. Um, so the float tank itself is a 
box, basically. <laughs> it is. It is. It's like it's like a uh, was like how tall would you think it? Four feet tall. Yeah, it's four feet high. Yeah. It's four feet wide. It's eight feet long. Um, and it's filled with about nine inches of a solution that is water and Epsom salt. Yeah, it's a lot of salt. It's so buoyant, you can't help but not, you can't help but float. Right. There's about uh, anywhere between 600 and 800 pounds of Epsom salt. So the water content is actually pretty low. Uh, maybe about, when you put the water in, if I start at about three inches and then add the salt, we're getting close to nine inches in that solution. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because people, whenever I mention the float tank to people, their first question is like, can you drown? I'm like, it's 10 inches of water, maybe, and it's really buoyant. It's going to make you float. So, I mean, it's going to be hard. Yeah, it's real hard, but that's uh, a lot of people have that fear, especially people who can't swim. Yeah, I'm you know, one of them. I'm not a strong swimmer at all. Uh, it's good for people to hear, Anthony. Uh, I just talked to somebody. It was either yesterday or today. And that was their fear. They said, I can't swim. I said, you know, if you can get in the bathtub, you can float. Yeah. Because you, know, you really would have to, in order to drown, you'd have to hold yourself under. And that's impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Yeah, anytime I get into the ocean and I get up to neck height, that's when I get really nervous because I'm not a strong swimmer at all. I just don't swim that much. So... I'm always a little panicky. I've been surfing a few times and had a few scary moments, but I'm getting better. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, it's never too late. Um, all right, so the flow tank, what are the benefits? What are some of the benefits for it? Oh, there are so, so many benefits. The one that I like um, the most because it's, it's, it's had a huge impact on me is the uh, ability to get rid of body pain. Yeah. You know, um, so with a spine that has, my spine is pretty weak because of two back surgeries. And if I do anything, um, you know, like rake or shovel, uh, anything with a twisting motion, it can, I can have a hard time walking. Yeah, your spine, my God, two surgeries on your spine sounds insane. Uh, yeah, it's a little much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Killer, down killer, down boy. It's almost like a kennel here. Uh, maybe we should talk about dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Do the dogs go in the float tank? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's one of the biggest benefits to it. And the other part of it is, for me, or anybody that has a lot going on in their head, yeah. is to get into the tank and just let your brain start sorting things out. Yeah, uh, and other people are using it as a uh, you know a meditation kind of device. You know, something that supports their ability to go into meditation very easily uh, instead of you know sitting there and hoping they're not hearing anything or you know being distracted by a truck going down the street. So it takes away all the distraction, and and that's why it's so beneficial. Yeah, I've noticed that. And when I, after I went in your flow tank, that's what I was telling my friends. I was like, it kind of forces you into meditation because you have no senses. Your senses are completely cut off. So you just kind of, you know, you just hear your own thoughts and it forces you into like a meditation type state, which is awesome. Because I totally agree. In this day and age, in this world, there's too much stuff that's like pulling our attention every which way. It's insane. (laughs) <laughs> all the social media, just like work, whatever it is, life, family, to be able to like just be by yourself and have a moment is very, it's hard to find a place like that for sure. Yeah, yeah. What, um, oh, I wanted to ask you, how, what happened with your back that you needed surgeries? Did you have an accident? I actually, um, you know, when you're young, Anthony, like you know this, <laughs> <laughs> you think that your body is never going to break down. Yeah. And in my uh, younger years, it was, uh, you know, I thought that I could just carry anything. Uh, I could pick things up to, you know, from fence panels to, um, 
you know, cases of paper, like eight and a half by 14 cases of paper. I used to carry those up flights of steps. Yeah. So it's really just abuse, you know, over over time. And I uh, ruptured a couple of discs. That'll happen. That'll happen, man. I have no, I have no ACL in my left knee from skateboarding, and I, I no pain, <laughs> daily pain <laughs> with that. You know what I mean? So I totally understand. And yeah. the float tank's been great for that because I get in that for an hour, and it's basically because skateboarders know about Epsom salt baths. We, we, when you're on tour and you're skating and you're super sore, we'll, we, we'll buy some Epsom salt at Rite Aid, you know, for like three dollars fill the tub up with hot water and dump it in there and that'll like the next day you feel great you know so uh, i mean the float tank is just a massive salt water bath which is amazing for arthritis and all the swelling from my end being a skateboarder i get out my ankles and my knees and all those joints feel great which makes me feel like i can do anything on my skateboard <laughs> right yeah that's awesome what um what has the reaction been? How Actually, how long have you been doing the float tank? And, yeah, what has the reaction been from people? Well, Anthony, it's been 13 years. Wow. And, I, you know, I think back to what was the reaction years ago, and, you know, it wasn't really that popular, but it was mainly word of mouth letting people know, hey, you got to try out this float tank. Um, and their reaction then was that they just loved it and they just wanted to keep on doing it. So people were sleeping through the night that weren't sleeping through the night. Yeah. They were noticing that they were feeling a lot more uh, peaceful about life um, in general. And uh, today when I talk to people, the thing that is so fascinating to me about talking to people who float yeah. is that there's this generation of people who are waking up um, if you know what I mean, there's more, they're becoming more aware. There's uh, just a depth to the people. Yeah. Um, so when they come out of there, they're getting a lot of great information in just that hour or hour and a half of being with themselves. Um, it's like they're, they're getting, you know, um, little flashes, little snippets of life that give them information. You know, uh, somebody came out the other day and she said um, that, you know, the piece that came to her is that she felt fearful and she realized it wasn't about fear of being in the tank. It was just fear in general. And it turned out perfect because we did some energy work after that to work to clear that. Awesome. Yeah, so it's pretty fascinating. You know, I've been uh, doing a lot of videotapes with the uh, with the contest going on, so it's given me more um, insight to what's happening for floaters while they're there. You know, just really sitting there and having that conversation with them immediately after floating has given me more insight. It's been fascinating. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we do that. Every time I get out of the float, I'll come and sit down and drink some water, and we just we just ham it up a little bit and talk about whatever. <laughs> I like it because when I get out of the tank, I feel very blissful and, like, relaxed. And uh, the way I tell my friends is I'm like, I get in there, and it's like through life you go, like, especially for someone like me who grew up with um, uh, the background I did with my family and issues and substance abuse and just a lot of violence in my family. I had a lot of baggage and stuff that weighed on me, you know, um, stresses and stuff that gave me anxieties, like way of thinking, you know, and uh, getting in the float tank, that was one of my big fears was like, oh, all my anxieties and worries are going to come up and like, I'm going to freak out, you know, so I get in the, when I get in the tank and the first 20 minutes, it, that's kind of what happens, you know, like all this stuff comes up. But then after 20 minutes, it's like I'm forced to either keep thinking about it and being scared or just let it all go, you know? And I, right. I feel like that's what has been huge with the float tank for me is just letting go of all the fear, anxiety, and unnecessary worry that we add. We just gather up on our backs from day-to-day -day life, you know? And uh, I think the float tank brings you back to neutral, back to, back to um, present, I guess, would be a good way to say it. Yeah, it's good to hear you uh, say that, you know, to talk about the, the, the fear of, you know, the baggage that can come up from the past. There are people who are, you know, somewhat hesitant to even get in the tank because of the, 
their past and their feeling of what if that comes up while I'm in the tank. So I like that, you you know, the way that you just talked about it. Yeah, I've been learning as I get older that the growing process is facing those fears, facing that anxiety and letting it go. And that's how you can kind of grow to your next like, um, you know, you know, next stage your next thoughts is when you get past you know, your thoughts that helped you grow to a certain point and then they're holding you back after a while. So you got to kind of transcend those. So all those anxieties and worries and stuff you push back, you got to work through them. And the flow tank really helps with it. Well, helps me with that anyways. And then the body, obviously, like the physical aspects of like the swelling being gone and my knees and everything feeling great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, let's let's go into Thai yoga. Because I was kind of curious, my my lady teaches yoga, but what's the difference between yoga and Thai yoga? Yeah, it's great. Um, Thai yoga is more of an assisted body work that puts people into the postures of yoga. Okay. So there's a lot of, when you look at a hatha yoga, hatha yoga is a lot about uh, postures, opening up the body, stretching. So a person lies down on a floor, there's a mat that they're, that they're lying on, and the practitioner is on the floor with them. It's a very uh, physical kind of body work, but the practitioner basically uh, guides the client through each movement, and it's it's almost like a dance of yoga with two people. It's um, it, it's a beautiful kind of work, uh, body work, yes. and it's extremely relaxing for the person receiving it. Yeah, it sounds kind of intimate. <laughs> it is kind of, you know, it's, it can be a little um, a little interesting when, you know, you're getting up behind somebody and you're putting your arms underneath their arms and pulling their arms back because your bodies are so close. Yeah. So it's really important, you know, the whole boundary thing is pretty important as a practitioner, but any practitioner that's approaching it from that uh, professional place isn't going there, you know, um, and yeah. so the client won't go there either, but it is, it's very close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, also, on my podcast, I like to jump around, so you're going to have to bear with me, because I get, like, random ideas. And the, no worries. Um, two things that came to mind. One was um, the fact that you're into sensory deprivation tanks, Thai yoga, polarity, which is energy work, uh, hypnosis. Do you ever, um, do you ever feel, uh, do you feel, um, I'm sure there's like some people, like, cause whenever I tell people about this stuff, there's a big portion of people that are like, that stuff's made up or that's that. And they never ask about it or has done any research, but there's already resistance or some bullshit meter goes off to people. Do you ever deal with people like that? I mean, I imagine the people coming to you are pretty open to it. But. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, uh, Anthony, because I know that I have met people who may have that resistance piece in their brain. Um, and when I start talking with them, because I don't hold any space for that thought. Yeah. When I talk with them, it's, it's pretty much uh, like talking about the weather that is really happening. So there's no space for their brain to start to wander. Yeah. And they are right there with me. So whatever I tell them, I they're right there. If there was any doubt in my mind about the work that I did, it would trigger their doubt. But because there isn't, I hold my confidence in this work because I've been doing it for 15 years. I've seen I've seen the results. Yeah. Of it working with people. So if somebody wants to come in and challenge that, they're welcome too. But it, it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's, it's because of my own confidence as a practitioner for so many years. Yeah, I you know you tend to do something long enough, you you, you become a master at it for sure. Yeah, <laughs> same I mean, with I hold it. Yeah, same with skateboarding. Yeah, I've been doing it for like more than half my life, and that's one thing I definitely know I'm good at. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I'm trying to get better at podcasting, so. <laughs> I think you're great at it. Um. All right. The move. Oh, the next thing was. When did you find out that you were into all this stuff? Were you always into this as a kid? What were your parents like? I don't know where you want to start, but any of yeah. Well, uh, you know, it feels like a long story, but um, I can back, I can back up, Anthony. 
Please. Um, I, I'm going to go way back to the beginning. Please do. That's perfect. You know, I went to a Catholic school, and um, I thought I wanted to be a nun. Wow. Wow. What was Catholic, what was Catholic school? <laughs> was it crazy strict? It was uh, it was pretty strict, but the one part of it that happened every day is that you did go to church every single day, and I, all my teachers were nuns. Wow. Um, and, you know, I had this idea that I wanted to grow up and be like them and live in a convent. And I, I know this really surprises the hell out of people when I talk about <laughs> I would never guess this. <laughs> no, nobody ever would. Um, so, you know, when I think about it, it was more a, it's a spiritual journey that started, you know, at a very young age. And obviously, I didn't become a nun. I actually, you know, became a teenager and hit the, the rebel years just like anybody else would um, and did all the crazy, stupid things that I wonder how I actually made it to this point. Um, you know, we've all been there, done that. Um, so I feel like when you're on a path, there's times where you veer off the path. And then you're back on the path because of whatever reason gets you there. Um, when I was 21 is where I call it the first major awakening. Um, and I had a friend. I was going through a hard time. I had two kids already. Wow. Um, I was married. The marriage really wasn't that good. Um, and I had a friend that suggested I get into um, – Self-Realization Fellowship, which is Paramahansa Yogananda. So this was the first major awakening um, at that point. I was 21 years old. I was getting up at 3 a.m. I was meditating. Um, and I had a meditative experience that was so blissful that I didn't want to come back. Uh. I really thought that I, um, that I wasn't on this earth plane anymore. And that experience, even though I never had that same experience again, was um, so memorable that it has kept me on this path, even when life doesn't allow the space to be on it. It's something in the background of your mind. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was, uh, well, throughout all those years I experimented with, there's got to be another way to heal the body. It's not uh, medicine. And... I started uh, sampling with, you know, different kinds of vitamins and herbs and how do you heal your, yourself and foot reflexology and a lot of self-study. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until I was 39 I started doing polarity. And from there I have never stopped studying. Um, so I'm at a point now, you know, where I'm older, I've accumulated a lot of knowledge and that's how I got to where I am today. I just put it all together. Wow. So when you look at my practice, everything really um, goes together. You know, floating, polarity, hypnosis. Um, the center has yoga. It's, you know, it's all about how do we connect with a deeper part of ourselves, that place that holds our, our inner wisdom. Yeah, and I feel right at this moment, that's what people are searching for because because of a recession and because um, the way the world is gone. I feel like people are trying. What I noticed with the recession was people started living a little more because they realized the frailty of life. So they were like, okay, you know, the recession hit. We can't get jobs. Our, you know, we're downsizing. So instead of like, you know, lusting after this American dream they gave us, people were like humbled and were like, you know what? I don't know if I'll ever have a million dollars, but I know I'll have tomorrow and I want to enjoy tomorrow. Right. And I see that attitude change is that people are like, oh, I just, you know, we can have heaven on earth. We just have to, you know, build it into our lives day by day instead of, you know, stressing and working that nine to five and you know, pleasing up numbers and adding up numbers. It's like, um, but so what you do seems like it would only get more valuable as, as, as we go forward. Yeah. And you know, what you're saying is exactly, um, how I'm feeling is, is that the, the shifts in our economy and the world and, um, every, every other crazy thing that goes on, 
it's making people start taking a look at what is valuable in life. Yeah. Anthony, I gotta close this door. That's okay. Take your time. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree, Tina. Um, I think that we're, we're in a transition period, you know, um, you know, for people to, people are finding themselves and finding ways to, to start businesses with the new technology we have and people are looking to, um, transcend what they were and we want to move forward as a society and, uh, I can feel that happening, uh, on a massive level. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it feels like people are lining up to, I'm going to say, your soul's mission. You know, what are you here on this planet to do? And it's not necessarily that everybody's going to make a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, but you're, you're lined up to what are your gifts and how can you make an, a positive impact on other people and make people's lives easier? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, because I think our parents before... My parents, and even before that, my parents, grand, my grandparents, they were kind of told like, go to school, get a good job, earn, you know, make make this money, and play it safe, you know. And it's like, with the recession and all that stuff that happened, I don't think people believe that anymore, and they're just like, let you got to do whatever you got to do. So they're like, fuck it, let's follow our joys and our passions and see if we can monetize them and make a living, and that's pretty rad. Yeah, it's making people be a lot more creative than they ever were. Yeah, and you're helping them open it up to all of it, which is pretty rad. It's awesome. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about polarity a little bit, because you I, you were talking about energies and stuff. Maybe you could break it down for me exactly w what it is you do with that. Okay. Um, you know, polarity therapy is an energy-based body work. So if you think about our bodies being made up of you know, energy, yes, flesh and um, and blood and, you know, going down to a uh, the very smallest molecule of our, our existence. But we have energy that's moving through us all the time, yeah. uh, whether we get polarity sessions or not. <laughs> yeah, we, but, we are. We are stardust, which is the energy of the universe, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. So if you think about that, we've got uh, we've got access to energy, but there are also times where energy gets stuck and um, and blocked. And what we want to do is we want to keep that energy moving. Okay. So an example of energy being blocked uh, could show up as um, somebody who is feeling depressed. Um, or somebody who is not seeing clearly what's happening in their life, or they they can't make the next decision, or they can't move forward to manifest their dreams. Yeah. Um, so that all has to do with energy, and and that's what happens when people um, get, you know, their energy is blocked. How that happens is a lot of different things, but life happens to people. And um, because life is happening, it's energy blockages in the in the system. Oh, I can stop you right here. I can tell you exactly how it happens. I grew up in the projects. So <laughs> in the projects, life is not very kind to these people. They're already at a disadvantage. Most of the people that were there were born into a disadvantage. Um, and there's substance abuse and drug abuse. And that energy that people create, their thoughts and everything... It feels like you have a cloud over you all the time, and then that becomes routine, and that becomes the energy you put out. And so if you're surrounded by a bunch of people with negative energy and negative thoughts, it's going to rub off on you. So it's like trying to be an angel in, in hell. It's just really fucking hard. <laughs> so yeah, I totally – like when I grew up, that's kind of the situation I was – more birthed into was a negative situation. You know, there was violence. There was drug abuse. There was – um. People that were didn't they weren't even dreaming, you know what I mean? They like they had to worry about just survival. So that that's if that does polarity help with like something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, polarity addresses the patterns. So when you what you're talking about, those are patterns. Yeah, they those build are up for sure. Of of their being, you know, they're in, it's in the fibers. So you need to move the energy. You need to get people to another place of clarity. But the energy work is also happens in the energetic field. So without touching a person, 
it's going into the fibers of their existence and clearing out the things that are in the way. Wow. So what that means is um, you look at polarity as a positive and a negative charge. Mm-hmm. And what you need to do is just bring these two currents of energy together, and that creates something called sattva, oh. which um, is you know, is Ayurvedic, but uh, you're working with these primary energies of Rajas, Thomas, and Sapa. So it's like the merging of the negative and the positive. Merging yeah, that's the energy. best way to put it, right. And so you basically go in and you don't actually touch the person during polarity? I do for uh, the first, let's say, maybe 50 minutes. I'm, I'm making specific contact, very similar to when you go to get acupuncture and they're putting needles in a particular point. Yes. Doing the same thing. The points are where a muscle and a uh, nerve fiber meet. And if you know those points, then you know how to move energy. I use my hands as the positive and the negative needles. So if I have a positive contact on one point and a negative contact on the other point, it causes the energy to move. Wow. And people get off the table, and they have a whole new perspective on life. Yeah, that's insane. I actually, um, I did, I was telling you, I did acupuncture. Whoa. Was there a dog fight? <laughs> Come on, puppy. Um, yeah, I did, I did acupuncture before because I had vertigo for like six months and it was miserable and I couldn't do, couldn't find anything that was helping. So I got to the point where someone suggested acupuncture and, um, yeah, they're sticking needles in my ear on top of my head, like needles everywhere. Um, but it, I did feel, I did feel better after each session, Yeah. but it was fleeting, you know, I would do it and I'd feel better like. The next day, and then you know, it would flee away, and then I'd go back, and it would be the same process. I'm not actually sure if it was the needles, or if maybe just the idea of someone doing something was helping me get past it. But it, it, it was a good idea because it worked to a certain degree. Yeah, great. That's cool. Um, okay, this is a good transition into hypnosis because whenever I say this to anyone, hypnosis, most people I come across think it's bullshit. And don't think that it's some. They think of like um, what someone would do for an act or show or what they've seen in movies. So I wanted you to kind of clarify what hypnosis is to you and what you do with it. Yeah, I love this, um, Anthony, um, and I understand what why people have that idea that hypnosis is, you know, the stage. It's a show. Yeah. It's not a show at all. In in even on a show, when somebody actually puts somebody under, that person is really under. Yeah. Uh, the thing that people need to realize about hypnosis, though, is that they will never do anything that they wouldn't ordinarily do while they're in hypnosis. And hypnosis, to work with the issues that I work with, is mainly, you know, fears, phobias, anxiety, weight loss, stop smoking, uh, migraines, any of those things. The reason, um, well, I don't know if I want to say the reason, but it works because we're getting to the subconscious mind. So if you think about what rules us, how do we behave, it all has to do with what's in our subconscious mind. If you have somebody that is, you know, in a pattern of, uh, let's say, that they go online and they spend all their money. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people people do that, right? The next thing they know, all their money's gone, and they just bought all this stuff online or on TV or something. Um, there's something in their subconscious mind that's going on because their conscious mind can say to them, "Don't do that." Yeah. But why can't people do it? Because your subconscious mind is actually more powerful than we give it credit. And so when somebody comes in to see me. What I'm doing is I'm going to put them into a relaxed state, and I want to give their subconscious mind new messages, the message that supports their vision for change. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's all it is. So when somebody, um, you know, people will be more open to, okay, I can do a creative visualization, and the second you call it hypnosis, 
their mind starts to think something else. Yeah. But it really is, if you think about it and simplify it, it's creative visualization. Yeah, which is whatever, awesome. Yeah, whatever we can visualize, we can manifest. I, I wholeheartedly believe that, and I teach skateboard lessons with little kids, and I tell them when they're working for a trick, a lot of times they're so focused on trying to get the board off the ground and what it takes to do it that they forget to visualize the landing because they're trying to learn the whole process of the trick. They're like, okay, I got to do, I got to pop the board, I got to turn my body, and they're so focused on that that they forget to picture the landing. So when someone comes close to a trick and I'm teaching them a lesson, I'm like, all right, now what you got to do is you got to stop. You got to really picture yourself landing on the skateboard and rolling away. You got to see it first. And That's then, awesome. Yeah, and then I was like, now what you do is you visualize it, and then you put all your will and effort into trying to make that picture happen, the picture in your head that you visualized. So, but yeah, so that makes perfect sense to me that um, that that. It's works. the same thing. So, so you know what you're doing right there is perfect because, um, and if you add something to them when they're picturing it, if you add to them, what does that feel like? Um, what do you what do you smell around you? You just add all the different senses to it. It makes it more powerful. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that. I, I've been thinking about all the senses lately, too, and how um, how when you're more aware um, of your surroundings and yourself, the more you can, like, really, you're really, in, you really use your senses, you know? Like, a uh, stupid example is like when you smoke weed, it heightens like your senses and you eat some food and it's so fucking good. <laughs> like, but that's like a heighten of your senses, you know, so that's a level that we could be at, you know. Exactly. <laughs> that's cool. So you were talking about smoking cigarettes and hypnosis. You've had people in and they've stopped smoking because of it? Yeah, and the thing that can weaken that is um, if somebody goes out to a bar. Yep. And they're, uh, that that right there can just blow the whole thing. They come in, they want to quit smoking, they're doing great. They go out to a bar, they have a drink, and they forget. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I thought I could just have one. Yeah, you think a lot of things when you're uh, drinking, <laughs> you know, that aren't true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Um, so how many sessions do you typically see? How many sessions do people usually come in for hypnosis? Well, you know, I recommend uh, that anybody's working on anything that do at least four sessions because there's this idea that, um, you know, you can go in for one session and everything is fixed. Yeah. The way I work with people is I want to work to it working on what is the core thing that created the problem to begin with. So the way I see it is that in many cases – problem itself is a symptom of something deeper oh. and in four sessions i can get to what that deeper thing is yeah that i may not get to and sometimes i do i get it on that first session but four sessions i'm teaching the person how to do self-hypnosis how to start talking to themselves differently because you know if if we're not successful at something we keep repeating that in our mind yeah. And that goes in deep to the subconscious mind. So it's really hard if you're, let's say you get hypnosis, the practitioner gives you all the right suggestions, and you go out and for two weeks you're saying, you know, I suck at this. Yeah. Well, guess what? You suck at it. Yeah, just your thoughts alone. You are Even if you were good, you aren't appreciating it. <laughs> and so you can't actually make the change unless the client is also participating. Yeah. So they need the instruction for the self-talk, for the self-hypnosis, and then the sessions. So it's a building process, and they get stronger and stronger and more confident, and then that change can occur. Yeah, I I've kind of practiced with this a little bit. Not, I don't know if it's hypnosis, but more like meditation, which I don't know if that's the same, but um, at work. Because I'm an overthinker, so I think a lot. Just because, I don't know, I dealt with death at a young age. That gave me like a sense of like, oh, you know, like life is fragile. So that scared me, but it forced me to be an overthinker. Thinker. Plus, I lived in the projects. You know, family had issues. So um, constantly thinking, 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 thinking. And, uh... I've been trying to, like, quiet the inner narrative a bit so I can just, like, be in the moment more, you know? So at work, I'll just 
just do like little hums and things that'll like make me focus on you know the moment and being right where I am instead of drifting off into thought all the time. Nice. Um, with hypnosis, what I'm wondering is like you were talking about cigarettes and stuff like that. But if someone has like a say, say someone came to you with a something they didn't like about themselves like a bad characteristic or something, you could, like, work through it and get to the meat. Like, you could help them reverse their thinking about certain things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, I'm kind of, like, blowing it on the examples right now, but um, say someone's, a, like, a gambling addict. You could literally get to them and just give them the opposite of that and let talk them through it. Yeah, you know, uh, gambling is a really, um, it, it's a, it's a tough, I'm going to call it a disease. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a pretty severe problem that can cause a lot of problems for people. And, you know, where does it come from? So when I work with people, Anthony, I'm also energetically working with them. So there's a, a lot of pieces and parts to it. But I want to find out, you know, when did the gambling start? Uh, were there people around you? Did you experience major loss? You know, what is it that they're that they're trying to get from this addiction? Because it's really no different than a drug addiction or drinking addiction or even a food addiction. Yeah, it's a behavior. So I guess that's what I was trying to get at is you can change certain behaviors just by giving them a a different thought, a different option. And then if if they have discipline and they actually you they go through with like self hypnosis and practice it, that it should work. They can they can change the way that they're thinking about something. Um, you know, you can you can do this on like the simplest thing, just to do some self hypnosis on. You know, let's say you wanted to. Um, I don't know, Anthony. What do you want to do? <laughs> well, <laughs> thinking thinking about it, I was like. Because I'm thinking about back to where I grew up. I grew up, like I said, around a lot of sad, negative people that just were, it was imprinted on them at a young age that life is hard and bad luck and rain and it was imprinted on them. They didn't choose it. So what I, what my battle in life has been is going from negative to positive because I realized that my thoughts make my reality. So we all have this on certain days. That's why people are like, I need my coffee. I'm in a bad mood. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's like. But uh, and then they get their fix and they feel like they're they're like, oh, I'm in a better mood, you know. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Like when I grew up, that was my big battle. Was like I had real self-destructive thoughts, real negative, like view on the world, and I had to figure out a way to change my thoughts. And it took so much discipline and I, almost I like to, I I say I lie to myself. Like when I was living in that situation, I would lie to myself. I don't know if I was really lying, but I would tell myself. I'd visualize something better or I'd tell myself I could do this or that and like like I told myself I could be a pro skateboarder you know and most people are like no you can't and and maybe I, I don't know but I just stuck on that thought so long that it became reality you know I didn't let it go but I feel like uh, I have things like that baggage thoughts that I'm trying to weed out you know and I always wonder if hypnosis would be cool to get in and kind of see if I could get rid of those subconscious thoughts that I know are still there you know. Well, I like what you said about, you know, I just kept saying it to myself and it was like I was lying to myself because um, it does all start off as a lie. You know, if, if you're doing self-hypnosis, you have to start off saying something that you know isn't true. Yeah. You know, for let's say a person who wants to lose weight, um, if they're walking around saying, you know, I'm healthy and I'm fit, um, they will become healthy and fit because in order to create change, you must believe it first. Yeah, yeah, fully. <laughs> you know, so and that's where it happens. It happens in the belief system. Can you believe it? And when somebody does hypnosis and, it, and you get the messages into the subconscious mind, that subconscious mind now believes it's a reality, which transfers to your whole nervous system. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, my, my question is... Uh, do people lay on a couch? Is it is it like what we see in movies? Do you, are you like oh. Freud? <laughs> um, well, you know, not really. Um, sometimes people are sitting in a chair, but I do do a lot of hypnosis on the table because I'll use some polarity techniques 
to enhance the relaxation response. Because that's that's the only thing that's necessary for hypnosis to work is to get into a light state of relaxation where the person can focus on what I'm saying. What about what about hypnosis in the float tank though? Yeah, I think hypnosis in the float tank is you know, to me, I mean I I I created it because I wanted people to experience it more. Yeah. That flotation tank brings you into such a deep state of relaxation that, you know, if I'm talking in that microphone through those speakers in the water, you have you have all the focus you need to create change. Wow. That's incra- That's crazy. <laughs> I actually had a pro skateboarder on, Mark Johnson, who's like a legendary skateboarder. His episode's probably one of my bigger episodes for sure, top three. And, uh... He spoke about hypnosis on um, towards the end of the episode. He was talking about how he was going to see a hypnotist because he had um, issues as well that he was working through. But I, it was the first time I ever really heard someone talk about it. And uh, someone I looked up to, too, that I was like, this dude, I loved his skateboarding. He's a very thoughtful, like charismatic person. And uh, he was the first time I heard someone say that they were doing it and he believed in it and that it worked. And it was like... And then I was like, Tina does that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, have you ever... Oh, sorry, I'm going to jump around again. With the float tank, have you had anyone that's gotten in and then gotten out, like, right away or freaked out or any incidences like that? I did, um, you know, one person, and it happened... Um, well, actually, two, Anthony, and in the 13 years which is a pretty small percentage. Um, That's amazing. Two in 13 years, that's nothing. (laughs) Yeah. One person got out because she heard her heartbeat. And (laughs) I thought, I'd get out if I didn't hear my heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Um, So that was really weird. And I just think the person had some anxiety. Yeah. No, I can I can totally get it because when I was in the flow tank, there was like the first time I've been a bunch now. And the first time I had that moment where I was like, I wanted to get out because I was had anxiety and I was kind of like scaring myself. And then that's the wall that I hit. And then I got past the wall and then it was like very blissful because that, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. Um, But yeah, I heard my heartbeat, too. I loved it. It was awesome. How often can you hear your heartbeat like that? It's pretty sick. You don't get to hear that every day. No, definitely not. That's something I tell people, too, like with the skateboard lessons is I'm like, I was like, I love skateboarding because if you're doing it, your heart's beating and you're sweating. And it's like people forget to do that because they're so caught up in the money chase or the the structure and all the things they got to do. Their big list or kids or whatever. But it's like you got to take a moment to feel alive and feel your heartbeat and sweat and use your animal body, you know? Yeah. It's <laughs> cool. Um, there was another piece. Oh, the second person. I wanted to share this with you because um, it's important. Uh, the second person that got out was somebody that was that had uh, claustrophobia, and um, he lasted probably about maybe ten minutes. Oh man! And um, he actually floated to try to get over that phobia. So that would have been a person that would have uh, benefited greatly from some hypnosis. So flotation wasn't really the, um, you know, the modality. That wasn't the path for that person to get over that uh, issue. Hypnosis would have been. Yeah. But they they chose flotation and, uh, you know, I mean, it was a severe case because some people think that they have claustrophobia, but they don't. It's this, uh, they just don't like, you know, to be in a small room or something and not liking it. And having a serious phobia are two different things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know too many people that are like, oh, I'm I'm claustrophobic. And then they're just saying it because it's something they say. But it's like, you're really not claustrophobic. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You're just a little uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) I I say I'm afraid of heights all the time. Yet, if I see something, I want to challenge myself and climb up. But I'm friggin' afraid the whole time, but I'm definitely not afraid. I'm afraid of heights, but I'm not really, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. If I had a phobia, if I had the actual issue, I would never do it, but I always go to the edge and scare myself, so apparently, uh, <laughs> I have a fascination with it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, 
I wanted to talk a little bit more about the sensory deprivation tank, or AKA float tank. Are there any other names for it? Isolation tank. Isolation tank. Yeah. Um. Okay. I want to talk about the isolation tank a little bit. About. I like I like to smoke weed and go in the isolation tank. <laughs> That's what I do. I don't know if you can tell. Probably. <laughs> Some people but, do. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I have my certificate. I bought it. It's legal. I like to smoke a little weed. Go in the flotation tank. Um, it seems to make it better. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I did it sober, which was awesome too. But for me, it's like I can dig a little deeper if I'm relaxed with marijuana. Is that something? Do do you hear people talk about that at all? Like taking a substance while float tank? No, they don't talk about it. They just come in smelling like weed because they're <laughs> smoking in their car. Yeah. <laughs> but it helps. It's it's uh, it, whatever it is that you know the marijuana relaxes you. Get in there. It just heightens all your senses. So then you're in a place that you lose your gravity and. Everything. It's amazing. It's <laughs> good to know. I've never done that, but um, it, I know people have. And, you know, that doesn't concern me uh, much. Yeah. It's, w- up, it's up to the person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I wanted to – oh, yeah, when you said uh, that you had an experience when you were younger that you didn't want to come back from, I kind of had that on the last float that I did. It was two hours, the two-hour one. I remember I got out of the tank and you're like, how are you? And I was like, whoa. like, <laughs> Oh, nice. Because normally when I get out of the tank, I, I'm kind of like, oh, okay, I'm in another world. Like I'm back in this world, you know, because in the tank you're in there for an hour and you just get acclimated and you're like, okay. And then you get out of the tank and you're like, oh, okay, I'm back. But <laughs> yeah. the, the last time I was like, whoa, I still feel like I'm in the tank. <laughs> it was a good feeling. It was very blissful, but it was – uh. I definitely went real deep on that one. <laughs> That's great. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, your brief troubles with the float tank as far as like uh, trying to get it. They, I know you were having a hard time getting it into your commercial residence, right? Yeah, still, uh, you know, it's coming together now. Um, you know, just getting the building uh, permit signed is what's happening now i don't know the guy he made a phone call to the contractor a week ago and said that it was all set um but every time i go to pick it up there's no signature on it yet so it's not all set yeah that's annoying (laughs) yeah Uh, so i would imagine i'll have that thing and um you know it's got to be by monday i i can't imagine it can go any longer it's just a matter of him signing it what was the resistance though? What was the problem with it? Well, you know, when you're going in, when you're in commercial space, and every step that you take, um, what they don't tell you is that once you accomplish this, we've got another thing for you to accomplish. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it definitely presented more challenges than I ever imagined. Um, you know, from having to appeal to the board of architectural design in Boston. Um, it, it almost like one thing after another and to be seven months into it and not have it there is mind-blowing to me because yeah. I, I like to see things happen yesterday yeah but um, the, the good things take time apparently <laughs> good things take time and you know that tank is is such a big part of just what crystalline awaken is that it has to be there so um you know it's happening. That's the only only thing I can say. It's happening. I really liked your location too. I went to your commercial residence and it was very beautiful and felt very relaxing and uh Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's very you have a good location. And uh for the people listening, we just put out our um the promo for AIN Life. Did did you see that Tina? I don't know if I, I haven't saw. seen it yet. No. Okay, I'll send it to you after this podcast. But um so AIM, AIM Life is, for lack of a better word, it's like a reality webisode. I'm not really sure where to – we're going to put them online and uh, create something very cool. But uh, we put out a promo kind of outlining what we're doing. And the first episode's coming out um, soon. And we have pole dancing, skateboarding, and sensory deprivation tank, which uh, is Tina's tank. So uh, – 
Yeah, I'm excited to share that with everyone. That's something I've been creating for a while. And the idea is just kind of tell people where I grew up and where I came from and then kind of go out and meet passionate people and see beautiful places and experience life um, head on, you know. So I thought the first episode would be sick to have the float tank in there because it's a little out of the box and people aren't really sure what it is. I, I If you were in California right now, I feel like um, it's way more accepted out there. On the East Coast, I feel like it's still really new. I, I, I've noticed like... All the the float tank stuff is big in California. Yeah, uh, that's true. Um, if you think about, you know, Samadhi Tank, they've been in business for geez, over 40 years, and they were friends with uh, John C. Lilly, yeah. um, you know, the founder of the whole concept. And uh, so it's been going on for years, and it has taken this part of the world so long to wake up to it. But, you know, Anthony, what people don't know is that back in the 70s, there was a tank in Worcester. Wow. It was owned by a guy. His name is Tank. And I'm not sure, but I think he may have gotten his name from the idea that he had a tank. <laughs> um, yeah, it was located in the, uh, the Telegram and Gazette building on, like, the sixth or seventh floor. The guy used to carry the salt up all those steps. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so... And there was one in Cambridge, uh, but what happened is, I think, and this is what I've heard, is that during the whole uh, AIDS epidemic, people were scared because they didn't have a whole lot of information. Yeah. And uh, those tanks went out, but California stayed pretty strong with offering flotation. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Because of AIDS? Yeah, well. They were scared they could get it from the tank or something? Yeah, that that was, uh, you know, think about when people didn't know anything. Yeah, pre-Google. Pre <laughs> yeah, pre-Google, you know, it was just what they saw on the news, and we know how that works. Yeah, 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 there's so many <laughs> rumors about AIDS <laughs> from the news for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, in California, people are more, seem, well, I can't say that for sure, but I, it, when I first went out to California, which was a long time ago, it seemed like people were a little more open-minded about different things and back home in the east coast people were a little more blue collar more religious more you know not i don't want to say closed-minded but more disciplined and rigid regiment uh like i don't know i can't even pronounce that word um very strict and uh regimented in their way yes yeah yes. so um yeah but i can see it changing on the east coast i feel like people are loosening up now and opening up a little bit to some new ideas and i love it i think it's awesome yeah it's coming very cool. Um, did we? Was there anything else that you wanted to cover? I, usually, how I end the show, Tina, is I, I kind of let you give whatever plug so people can reach out. Especially since you're doing all this cool stuff, and uh, people might want to come to your location. Maybe you can let them know where it's at, and then if you have whatever social media sites you use, you could plug those. Sure. Um... You know, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I've got a uh, group for floaters. It's called Mass Float Awakening. Um, it's just MA Float Awakening. Okay. And the um, I also have Crystalline Awaken Facebook. Um, what else is going on? I have a blog, and everything is right on the website. It's crystallineawaken.com. Simple. Everything's right under the same title. Yeah. And uh, the location is on West Boylston Street, which is Route 12, and the access is so easy from, you know, the Mass Pike, 290, 140, I-90, Route 2, uh, Lemonston, Luningburg, you know, any any direction that you come from and right next door to Worcester. Um, it's a beautiful scenic ride. Uh, yeah, it is. That it is. From where I came from, I'll, it was very fucking beautiful. Yeah, so it's peaceful. So the experience, uh, Anthony, is that, you know, after somebody floats, they have the, um, you know, they have that beautiful, peaceful scenery uh, to drive home in, and it's not, uh, you know, rushing out into uh, massive traffic or anything. So um, the location, I, I love it, and I love the town. Uh, it's peaceful. It's quaint. It's got... You know, the reservoir by, it's got an old stone church built in 1890. Beautiful. Um, so it's good, great stuff. 
So, uh, for the people listening that are like, oh, this is probably so damn expensive, I probably can't afford it. Uh, what are, the, are the prices pretty fair? What are we talking? For just- well, you know, you know I'm, uh, I'm getting all my membership uh, prices up and creating some new membership um, opportunities. But there's a – the one membership that is pretty popular is – um, you pay $40 to become a float member, and you can float for $40 as a member for 50 minutes. Oh. If you upgrade to the 80-minute uh, oh. float, it's an additional $15. <laughs> Your dog is, like, eating something. <laughs> My dog is, like, jumping up and down. Um, so, yeah, Um so that's you know that's good. The regular price is sixty, and an eighty minute is ninety. So, you know, if you look at just the the cost of going to get a massage, it's right in the same ballpark. Yeah. Uh, but I had somebody talk about that in comparison to massage the other day, which was a beautiful thing. And he said, you know, when you want to tell the therapist to, oh no, over there. He goes in a tank. It's like it happened. There are times you're looking for the massage therapist to just get that spot. He said when he was floating, it was like he got the spot himself. Yeah. That he makes- didn't have to touch anything. It just melted away. Yeah, I experienced that too. That's awesome. Nice. Um, Yeah, so I guess how I want to go out is just um, I wanted to ask you how you feel about life. <laughs> and I guess you kind of, I mean, you do all these healing arts and stuff. How do you feel about the future, and are you optimistic, and are you just psyched, or? Yeah, Anthony, I look at it this way. Um, just stay focused on the mission, keep moving things forward, and um, just love everything that you do. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. It's part of the bigger plan. Yeah, I like that. I agree with that as well. I feel like we each – I was listening to something today. I think it was – um. I can't remember who. I was listening to someone today, and uh, they were talking about that. That you know, I feel like if you follow your joy, or that's what it was, follow your bliss. And uh, I think that's a good way to do it. Follow what makes you happy. Just kind of follow that, and uh, just indulge in that because I think that'll enrich your life, and you'll you'll at least be you'll be happy because you've indulged in something you really enjoy. As long as it's safe and healthy. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yep. Cool. Well, Tina, you're awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Anthony. And I'm definitely coming back uh, to float soon. I'll let, I'll hit you up. Okay. We'll see you soon. Awesome. Bye, Tina. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hang on, brothers and sisters. Liberation is near. It's almost time. Where you at? Put your fist up. We gon' twist up. Say, come on, come on. Experience the train of thought. Hot for Come on. Experience rocking with the reflection.